Well, thank you, guys. Uh, sounds, like, sounds like things can get a little crazy in here on, on Tuesday nights. Sam, get a little crazy. Uh, so, I think that's like kind of a, a pastor's rite of passage almost. I grew up a, a preacher's kid, and my dad got a little crazy on Wednesday nights. We do Wednesday night um, you know, back at Wildwood, and let me tell you something. Uh, Brett Bartlett can let her fly on a Wednesday night. Um, he drops the ever-loving hammer sometimes, and you walk in, and you're happy to be there, you know, chipper, and then you walk out, your eyebrows are all singed off, your hair's blown back, and you're convicted for the rest of the week. So I don't see that, I don't see that going down tonight uh, with what we've got going on here, but who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, I truly am uh, excited to be here. I've, I've, it's been a privilege to get to know you guys uh, this week. Oftentimes, you know, nowadays I kind of just... We'll be doing stuff, I'll be preparing, I'll be getting ready to speak, whatever it is, and I'll, I'll look around in, in, in kind of amazement at some of the, the crazy things that, that God's kind of allowed me to be a part of. Times such as, you know, this weekend, these past few days, uh, in this exact moment, caused me to, to kind of pause and think, man, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy. What in the world uh, am I doing here? You know, God's grace in my life has been amazing. Being a partaker and member of, of many of these great things has always left me, you know, amazed at how God would allow someone like, like me, like, like my family, to be, to be an associate pastor, to be a missionary, to partake in planting churches, lead souls to Christ, and the list can go on and on and on. These past few days with, with all of you, I, I've met some of you guys, man, I see some of your smiling faces out there right, right now, man, that's awesome. Uh, sitting down here in the front row, man, it's, it's awesome to see you guys. And some of, you know, these past few days have, with, with everyone that I've been able to meet have, have, again, given me pause to truly praise him for allowing me so many amazing opportunities to, to meet and truly befriend some of the coolest people. You guys are truly some of the coolest people I've ever met. And uh, you guys have been so kind and generous as you've, you've welcomed us into your homes, your church your city, and your lives. And, and, and you've kept us filled with barbecue. You've kept us filled with coffee, which, by the way, you guys came through on the coffee scene, man. I'm telling you, you nailed it. And you kept us filled with wonderful fellowship. And so we have so enjoyed meeting like-minded, compassionate, spirit-filled, soul-winning brothers and sisters here in Kansas City. And praise God for his grace in our lives, bringing us here with you all and making, uh, making us some cool friends in the process. And we truly appreciate um, each of you. We're, we're excited for what God's going to do with us uh, in Ireland. Um, we're excited for how he's going to work and how he's going to move, and we're excited to get busy, truly. Uh, I, I would like to think, you know, as we visited some of the classes, hopefully that, that passion and, and, and excitement and, uh, and zealousness to get over there was, was, was seen, and we're looking to get on the field. We truly long to, to get over there and get working, and we're actually we're hoping that that turns into a, a training ground. We, we would love to see you guys over in Ireland preparing you know, using Ireland as a possibility to, to prepare some, some, some people from Wildwood that are looking to go to the field and prepare some, some of our friends that we've met in different like-minded bodies. I mean, that would be so cool uh, to come back and, and be able to meet with you guys and, and, and talk about what we've done on the field and, man, see you guys over there with us. We're, we're excited to, to, to show you around, you know, our city and how we're winning it for Christ as you guys have, have done for us here. And so I was kind of praying and, and really considering, you know, what should I share this evening? Um, you know, should I, should I share more about Ireland? Uh, should I maybe share a personal testimony? Uh, and as I prepared and, and sought God's guidance uh, over the past couple days, you know, I really felt as though, uh, and this, I mentioned, you know, there are some things that have really worked for me in my life. One of those, you know, I mentioned was submission to, to local church and its authority. 
And another one of those is, is opening God's Word, right? So it tends, to, it tends to work out for you when you open God's Word. And so that's, that's really what I want to do tonight. I want to open God's Word with you guys, and I want to share my heart specifically in regards to some things that God has showed me in my life as He prepared me for the work of the Lord, and specifically that ministry and what that looks like. When I began uh, in ministry about five and a half years ago, I really took over some full-time vocational ministry about three years ago. I'll be honest with you guys. Um, I really wasn't sure what I was doing, okay? Uh, I didn't know where I was, what I was doing. I didn't know where to start. I, didn't, I had no idea where God would ultimately lead me. And I've mentioned over and over and over again in, in talking with people and meeting with you one-on-one that I found myself in this spot more often than not where, man, what should I do here? What's God asking me to do? And so I simply did what I knew to do. That was my strategy, right? I, I've told you guys this. Most everyone in here has heard this before. I opened my Bible, right? I knew... I, Man, I knew at least I could open my Bible and I began to study the lives of men in Scripture who may have found themselves in similar situations that I was finding myself in, right? Called to ministry. Young, overwhelmed at times, desiring to, to truly please God and to be a true biblical, and this is, this is where we're going to stress some things tonight, to be successful for Him. I studied the lives of Timothy and Paul, the life of Titus and, and John Mark. I found great guidance in the lives of the disciples as they followed Christ. And finally, my, my studies kind of brought me to the Old Testament where the life of Joshua began to speak to me in, in, in a very special way. I began reading and looking into his life and I really kind of started to recognize some very encouraging things about his life at a time in my own life that was... We were going through some things, man. We were struggling with some things. A, a discouraging time. You know, often Joshua is, Joshua is described as uh, a servant or minister to Moses. All right? And so early on in my ministry, people would ask me, you know, hey, you know, what, do you, what do you do at the church? And well, you know, here, this was oftentimes my answer. I, I answered it with my, I created this title for myself. I was assistant to the senior pastor. All right? Yeah. And all I meant by this was, man, whatever, whatever Brett needed me to do, whatever our church needed me to do, that was my job. I was on it, man. Sometimes that was preparing to preach with less than 24 hours' notice. Sometimes that was straightening chairs in the auditorium at 2 a.m. Sometimes that was awkward, weird, strange times of counsel with people I didn't even know. Sometimes that was cleaning the bathrooms one day, and the next I was trying to figure out live streams and you know, podcasts and how to build a website. For the longest time, my preparation and my main responsibility for whatever God had for me revolved around simply ministering to the man of God in my life in whatever way that took, that took shape. That was full-time ministry for me for the longest time. It's really glamorous, right? You know? Cleaning pee off the seats and straightening chairs, making sure they're equidistant. That's a Brett word for making sure they're exactly perfectly straight in the auditorium, all right? Sounds glamorous, right? So I would, uh, I would explain this to people, even people in the church, and I'd often kind of get this like weird, like smirk and like, yikes, like disbelief almost on people. And, and you left a good job, benefits, you know? 
decent, stable salary and promising career to straighten chairs, clean bathrooms, be a servant of God by serving your pastor at your local church. Most people, unsaved, saved, in church, not in church, it didn't matter, would have viewed my life as unsuccessful, suspect at best. And again, if I'm honest, these types of interactions with people, man, they really began to weigh on me. As I began to see my life as the world would have seen it and judged it, as unsuccessful. It was at this time I really began to dive into the life of Joshua and began to realize that the minister and servant of Moses may very well have had some of these same exact thoughts and realities in his life. You see, it was Moses who went up to the mountain and received the instructions and commandments and met with God, while Joshua, you know, stayed behind. It was Moses and Aaron who made the, made the big decisions, got all the attention, and led the people while Joshua just seemingly, you know, tagged along sometimes. And again, was simply described as the man that served Moses in whatever way he was asked. By all worldly accounts, the first 80 years of life for Moses as minister would have been considered lacking in ambition, drive, and ultimately, unsuccessful. Finally, the time comes for Joshua to take the reins, right? Of leading God's people. And it's here that I want us to take a look at our text for tonight. As God reveals to us, as he revealed to me, the secret to true biblical success in life and ministry. And that is Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. We're going to read those verses together. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and into the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto this people, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. In verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. We obviously find our directive for biblical success in verse 8, and we will get there. However, I want us to notice that before God gets to the ultimate crux of his message to Joshua, he really takes some, some personal time to sit down with his servant to have an intimate, in-depth conversation about some things that God wanted Joshua to be as he begins this new role of no longer being the servant or minister, but being the one that everyone else is relying on. You see, God knew 
exactly what he was doing in the life of Joshua. He knew what he was doing in the life of Timothy and Titus. And I assure you, friends, he knew what he was doing in my life as I served, as I did what I knew to do, as I ministered to the man of God in my life. God does not care how your friends view your success or what they think success is. He cares not for their opinions of his timing or his preparation in your life and in your ministry. God does not ask you to step out of his plan or out of his timing. He cared not for my view of how he was preparing me for true, biblically successful ministry. He simply asks us to get on the right road and he will then spit us out at the right place. You see, this intimate, personal time that God spends with Joshua as he begins his ministry is spent by our Creator putting his arms around his servant and relaying some encouraging and uplifting guidance and direction that pushes Joshua to fully consider just how it is God operates in our lives and how we are to truly be successful in the eyes of the only one that matters. And that's his eyes. As we come to the place where God reveals his secret to success, I simply want us to take some time tonight, very quickly, to walk through the passage. We're simply going to walk through the verses and allow God to be intimate with us this evening through his word. As Joshua moves from a time of service and preparation, God gives him some things to be as he enters a time of leadership and responsibility. And the first of those being found in verse 2 of our text this evening. Number one, I want you guys to write down, remember, whatever it is you guys do here, the first thing that God wants Joshua to be is he wants him to be himself. Or, you need to be you. Verse two, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even unto the children of Israel. I want you to take a second And put yourself in Joshua's shoes. And and just really consider how encouraging this must have been for him. As the creator of the world wraps his arms around him and says, as weird as this may sound, especially with the death of Moses being mentioned, God wanted Joshua to understand something very specific. Moses was an integral part of God's work both in the life of Joshua himself and the life of God's people. However, he's passed. And God wants Joshua to now step up, to lead the people into the land that he has promised. The understood subject of this verse is Joshua. Joshua, you rise up and go. Seriously, think about that for a moment. Can you imagine the weight, the absolute crushing weight on the shoulders of Joshua? You talk about some big shoes to fill, man. Man. Oftentimes I think we feel as though, man, we could never fill the shoes of those before us. I could never be as good of of a preacher as Brett Bartlett. I could never be as charismatic of a leader as Mark Trotter. I could never be a missionary like the Howies in Romania, the Clarks in London. Man, I could never be as passionate as... Spirit-filled as Sam Miles. God, however, didn't want Joshua to be Moses, did he? As a matter of fact, he wanted Joshua to move past 
Moses. He didn't need another Moses. God needed Joshua to be Joshua. God doesn't need another Sam Miles or Brandon Briscoe or Dr. Best or James Fife or Brett Bartlett. These guys got their jobs on lockdown, man. They're killing it already. And kind of encourage you as, as you prepare and you serve to one day lead and be responsible with the fact that he wants you to be you. He wants you to use your abilities that he has specifically gifted you with and equipped you with to minister to the people that you are surrounded by. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you turn with me there, we'll start reading in verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the eyes? But now God has said, set the members, every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? Verse 20, but now are they many members, yet but one body. Friends, I'll never forget one of the most encouraging things that my pastor ever gave to me. As we prepared for, for full-time ministry and as we prepared to, to see what God would have for us. He sat me down and he looked me in the eye and he said, don't ever be me. Don't ever try to mimic me. Don't try to be Brett 1.0, 2.0, or any point oh. The world has all of breath that they can handle right now. God sits Joshua down. He says, I don't need another Moses. Paul writes to the Corinthian believers and says, we all have different jobs. We all have different capabilities. We all have different gifts, yet are one body. Uniquely brought together and fitly joined by God for a specific purpose. And if the ear is always trying to be an eye... If the foot is always trying to be a hand, if you are always trying to be someone else, God cannot use you, friend. If you are trying to prepare for ministry like someone else, you will not be who God wants you to be. God didn't need Joshua to be Moses. Ireland doesn't need Brett Bartlett. They need Eric Brown. They need Jory Manis. Kansas City doesn't need 75 Kenny Morgans. They need you, friend. God wants you. Nay, God needs you. This city, this body, man, they need you. Step number one, as God wraps his arms around us and encourages us as we prepare for whatever it is God may have for you, for the work of the Lord. Be you and be encouraged by that. Step number two is found in, in verses three through five. The second B is be encouraged. What was it that was to push and drive Joshua to be encouraged at this time, according to our text? I mean, again, Moses had just passed. 
Joshua was being led into the biggest responsibility of his life. And friends, I don't know if you've read about the children of Israel or not, but they're not necessarily known for their sweet, kind, caring, compassionate responses to their leadership. Talk about, man, talk about stress in your life. You know, we freak out over the tiniest details. I talk to people all the time who are riddled with stress, anxiety, and fear. And here's Joshua. Man, and he's being charged with leading God's chosen people into their inheritance. And God sits Joshua down and he tells him, man, just relax. How is this possible? Check out the text in verse 3 as we see how we can be encouraged, even in the face of, man, some of our most difficult responsibilities and tasks and asks of God. The first thing I want us to notice and how we can be encouraged is God has already given you the victory, friends. Look at verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you. Guys, have you read the end of the book? We're on the winning side. God wins. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Yet we often walk around with our heads down, half embarrassed by the fact that we're even Christians. Wake up, man. God's already given you the victory. We're currently seated in, in spiritual, we're currently spiritually seated in heavenly places, leading souls to Christ, leading people. Being who God has asked you to be, man, they can bring about times of uncertainty, no doubt about it. Being in and preparing for ministry puts us in places and spots, man, we never thought we would be. Trust me, I'm standing in one right now. We are uncomfortable. We're nervous. We understand the magnitude of our responsibilities. Yet God, but God, comes alongside Joshua wraps his arms around him and whispers in his ear, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you. Christ has given you the victory. Now are we willing to do what it takes to simply be a part of that encouraging reality? The second thing I want us to see is, man, God takes care of men. Be encouraged by the fact that God takes care of men. Verse 5. There shall not, be, not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. And I don't know about you. But man, I run, I run into some dudes that, man, they were, they were less than pleasant. They were less than encouraging. They were less than responsive to the glorious news of the gospel that I had to give them. And man, if, I, if there was ever a time I wanted God to take care of them, it was at that moment. However... God wraps his arm around me just like he does Joshua and says, hey, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. I got you. I'm going to take care of man. Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Hebrews 13, 6. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Man, that's encouraging. God tells Joshua, I got you, dude. Relax. God tells the believer. He tells you. He's whispering in your ear. I got you, man. I'll be with you all the days of your life. I will not fail. Man will. But I will not. 
And folks, that's encouraging. Thirdly, the third thing that Joshua needed to be was, we see this over and over again in the text, was be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. As, as Joshua now prepares to step into his new role, going from Moses, his minister, to the minister himself, God tells Joshua over and over again that this will require of Joshua great strength and great courage. Friends, let me be real with you, okay? Satan allows us to do many things in life. He lets us read our Bible, lets us come to church, lets us hang out with our friends and even talk about what we've been reading in our Bibles. But when it comes to the one thing the Lord has left us here to do, Satan ain't going to let you have that. What is the work of the Lord? It's the work that the Lord was doing while he was here, right? Winning lost souls. Friends, let me tell you something. When you start taking the Great Commission seriously in your life, when you start purposefully winning the lost, things start getting real fast. I can assure you, this ain't no game to Satan. This ain't no game. It was no game to Joshua. It was no game to Timothy. I can assure you it was no game to Paul as he's sitting in prison over and over and over again. I've been talking about making relationships, right? Meeting people, getting in their chariot and sharing the gospel with them. I want to ask you guys a question and I've had to ask myself this question. Did you pray for that meeting? Did you put your armor on before you got in that chariot? Because I guarantee you, Satan's going to be right there, friends. And yes, we can be encouraged by the promises of God. And, and, and yes, he will take care of man. And he has given us the victory. But that does not disconnect us from the reality of the emotions and, and things that we must and will face in this life. And God, again, takes time with Joshua. And he says, friend, you're going to have to be, you have to be strong, man. You're going to have to be courageous. Yes, be, be encouraged by his promise. But remember, man, God understands that this task will require us at times to be courageous men. Put on that armor, friends. Get ready. Get ready for a fight because it's coming. And fights require courage, don't they? Warfare requires supernatural strength that only God can provide. Verse 6, be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Friends, make no mistake. It takes courage to do what this book says. It takes courage to stand for this book, the preserved words of God. I guarantee you it takes courage. It takes courage to go out into the world and make friends. It takes men, men and women of valor to meet face to face with spiritual wickedness in high places. You too yellow to get to work for Christ? You too scared? Because if you are, 
there is no way for you to find true success. Because yes, you need to be you. Yes, you need to be who God has called you to be and you can be encouraged by that. And you can be encouraged by the fact that God has you. And God's going to take care of man. And you need to be strong and courageous. But all of those things are done without our last key to success. We will continue to sputter and fail. And lastly, I want us to see that Joshua simply needed to be obedient. Be obedient. Success has never been about the one being in charge, being the one in charge. Success success has never been about how much money you make. It's never about having 5,000 people in an auditorium. Success for Joshua was not becoming the new Moses in the camp of Israel. This was so encouraging to me, friends, and please, hear what I'm about to tell you, please. Joshua was already successful before he became the leader of Israel. And verse 8 tells us how this is possible for Joshua and how it's possible for you to be a biblical success today. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest prosper to do, that thou, mayest be, thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. This verse does not mean if you read the Bible and you tell other people about what you are reading and you proclaim the gospel and you read it every day and every night, then those things that you really care about, God's going to make you successful in those things. That's not what the verse is saying. What it is saying is that if you have done that, if you have read your Bible, and you have gone out into the world, and you have arisen and gone out, and you've shared that with the lost souls, you are already a success. I remember we're talking about being missionaries. I'm sitting across from Brett, and I'm like, man, this is, this is crazy. I can't believe this is even a conversation we're having. And I said, what if I am a failure? And he looked at me and he said, you don't understand what biblical success is. It's one of those moments, again, if you've ever sat down face to face with Brett and you've had to be real honest about you and your spiritual condition, man, your eyebrows are singed, your hair is blown back. You don't understand what biblical success is, man. Because to God... Success is not results. To God, success is obedience. To God, success is not how many conversions. It's about how many conversations. If you attempt evangelism, you are successful in this life because you obeyed what God had for you to do. If you have found what it is God is having you do and you do that thing, You are already a success in his eyes. Be encouraged by that. Bob Jones Sr. says, success is finding the will of God for your life and doing it. If you find the will of God and you perform it, no matter what else can be said of you, you will be successful in the eyes of the only one that matters, the eyes of Jesus Christ. If you set out all these goals in your life to meet a certain amount of money, make a certain amount of money, get a certain job title or status, and yeah, man, you hit every single one of them, but you do not find and perform the will of God for your life, you will be a failure. Mark it down. God's will for your life is to be a fisher of men. It's to be a missionary somewhere. 
For most, it will be here in Kansas City. And that's awesome. Kansas City needs you to be a missionary. For some, it's going to be Malawi. For some, it's Hungary, Romania. For me, it's Ireland. But you better consider a field, friend. You better purchase that field. And you better get busy being obedient. Because then, and only then, will you be a success. Verse 2 from our text. Arise! Go! Get up! Walk! Go out into the world. Struggling to find what God wants you to do for your life? Arise and go out into the world, and I guarantee you, you're going to find somebody that needs Christ. That's the will of God for your life. Befriend them. Earn the right to share your faith. Lead them to Christ and bring them into the fellowship. That is success. Not the fact that you converted them, but the fact that you had the conversation, the fact that you obeyed, the fact that you got up and you went and you did what you were supposed to do. Friends, take encouragement in that. You know, the world tries to tell us what success is, right? If you, if you search on Amazon for success, books on success, you get like 10,000 results, right? You get book title after book title. You look up the the dictionary definition of success, and here, the gaining of wealth, respect, or fame. That's literally the dictionary definition of success. It's quite interesting, is it not, as you look at the lives of those people that are successful in the eyes of the world, wealthy, famous. Have you examined the lives of celebrities and rock stars, politicians and athletes? Man, if that's success... Count me out. Celebrities getting hooked on substances just to make it through performances. Athletes abusing women married multiple times with multiple children they've never met. That's success? I want you to listen to a quote by, of all people, Jim Carrey. I think everyone should become rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they, can, so they can see it is not the answer. A man who viewed success from the worldly viewpoint understood something that most Christians do not understand. It's not the answer, friend. It's not success. The most inspiring, uplifting, encouraging, empowering, gratifying thing was when I threw away that world's definition of success. When I threw away most of Christianity's definition of success and I opened my Bible that took me to the one spot in my King James Bible that brought me to where success is mentioned. Friends, we got work to do. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. The night is far spent. We don't have time to buy into or try out this world's definition of success. We don't have time to be stressed out every single day of our lives. We don't have time to be scared. We don't have time to say no. God needs you. He needs you, friend. He needs you to consider a field, to get out there, and to work it. He wants you to be encouraged by the fact that he's already given you the victory. And there is not one thing man can do to stop that. But friends, man, it's going to take some courage. You've got to be strong. You've got to get ready. And most importantly, arise and go. Obey. 
If we continue to sit in our seats and never do anything for Christ, I guarantee you won't be successful. How will Ireland be won? If someone doesn't understand true biblical success is finding the will of God for their life, getting up out of his seat and going and obeying, how are you preparing right now to win Kansas City? Your family, your class, your coworkers, your friends, your church, your city needs you to prepare and they need you to obey. I pray that God will encourage you with these words as he encouraged Joshua and as he encouraged me. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share my heart and how you've changed it, how you've shown me. Father, success is it's not about results. It's not about 5,000 members in a church somewhere. It's not what it's about. It's about obeying you. It's about arising and going. It's about seeing a field, considering it, purchasing it, and working it. Doing the work of the Lord. Evangelizing. Father, that is true biblical success. And man, when we see that you want us, you need me to be a part of that. Man, that's encouraging. And we understand it takes courage and strength, Lord. We ask that you would, Father, prepare us for what is to come. The night is far spent. Times are tough, no doubt about it. Father, give us strength, give us courage to be obedient, to arise and go. Thank you again. I love you. Praise you for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.